Hi and welcome back to Equity Tutors. So today's lesson is going to be the first lesson on plant exchange and this is going to go over two lessons so that we can cover everything you need to know. This is going to link in with what we did in the initial exchange introductory lesson and also the all the content you've been covering with Amelia on animal exchange. So plant exchange similarly um, includes a lot of the same concepts that you've already gone over but in a slightly different scenario so with that let's just get straight into today's lesson so the first thing to talk about is why do plants need transport systems so just like animals plants are multicellular organisms and because of that they have a small surface area to volume ratio so things can't just you know diffuse in and out um, of the plant naturally they need to have different systems in place to allow the efficient movement of um, things they need throughout the plant. So the things that plants do need are slightly different to humans. They need water, they need uh, mineral ions and they need inorganic ions. These include nitrates, calcium and magnesium and they need these things to be able to photosynthesize. So we're going to cover that in later modules but just like humans respire, plants respire and photosynthesize. So they use water and light to produce energy. And in order to do this effectively, they need to have water. And then they use these ions and inorganic ions to form things like proteins and other compounds that they need to to grow. Plants need transport systems to meet their metabolic demands, uh, just like humans or any other animals. And the way that all these things enter the plant, so all these ions and uh, other compounds, is that they are dissolved in water. And these, the transport systems within the plant move these substances from the site of absorption or production uh, to sites where they need to be used or where they can be stored. And a really important thing to, to remember about plants is that they do need a continuous uptake of water. And this is because they continually lose water through transpiration and they need the water to um, undergo photosynthesis. So we're going to talk about um, transpiration a bit later, but just know that plants need a lot of water to, um, to function and to stay alive. So within a plant, there is a vascular system, just like in humans, but the vascular system in plants is, are made up of different components. So they're made up of a network of vessels which run through the leaves, stems and roots, and they are made up of xylem tubes and phloem tubes. And we've gone over this briefly um, when we were talking about structures of cells, but we're going to go into a bit more depth today on exactly what those structures are and how they are used to transport substances around a plant. Okay, so now that we've talked a bit about the need for transporting plants, let's go on to talk about some of the structures that are used for this transport. So we've just briefly spoken about um, the vascular system in plants and now we're going to go into a bit more depth on exactly what that is made up of. So as I just said, there are two main tubes that are involved in the vascular system, that's the phloem and the xylem, but there are also some other fibres called sclerenchyma fibres, 
and these are for support within the plant so they um, are made up of bundles of long dead cells and the cells have a hollow lumen and the cell walls are thickened with lignin. The cell walls also contain more cellulose than a typical plant cell so this makes these fibres really strong and they provide support to keep the stem upright and to facilitate the xylem and phloem being able to, to perform their functions because if the stem isn't supported then these tubes could collapse and then substances won't be able to move throughout the plant. So as I said vascular bundles are made up of these three, three types of vessels but what we're really going to concentrate on today are the xylem and the phloem. So let's start with the xylem. The main functions of the xylem are for support and also for the transport of water and mineral ions that are um, dissolved within that water. Now if you remember back to the previous module you'll remember that the, the xylem is made up of dead hollow cells and they don't have any end cell walls so they form this long continuous tube. So going into a bit more on the structure of the xylem there are four cell types that work together to form the xylem tissue and this includes the tracheids which are long narrow cells with pits. There are vessel elements which which are the larger cells with the thickened cell walls that don't have the end plates. Then the xylem parenchyma. Then there's also the sclerenchyma cells. And these are um, fibrous cells. So let's go into a bit of detail on exactly what each of these cells looks like and what their function is within the xylem. The main cell that you need to know about is the the vessel elements and these are large thickened cells that have thick cell walls they have no end plate so they form that long tube and they also have pits in the cell walls and this allows water to move in and out of the vessel elements within the xylem then we have these other cells that surround the vessel elements and these are called tracheids and tracheids are long narrow cells and they have tapered ends they also have pits and these they also move water within the plant um, but they also provide some support they're much thinner and than the vessel elements but they usually surround the vessel elements this will all make a bit more sense if you um, go and have a look at the diagrams um, so that you can really understand what i'm talking about here then we also have the xylem parenchyma cells and these are large cells which also surround the vessel elements and the tracheids and these cells are important for storage of carbohydrates, oils and other substances within the plant and they're the only living cell type in the xylem so they have very thin cell walls and they have large vacuoles and prominent nuclei and protoplasts. Um, they're usually quite cylindrical and the main function of these cells is to store energy uh, in the form of things like starch. And as I said before, we also have this, we also have these sclerenchyma cells and these are non-living fibres and these are found between the tracheids and the xylem vessels and they are former parenchyma cells that have developed a secondary cell wall and they're mainly there for support. So I know that's quite a lot of different things there, um, but try to go over that 
remember what each part does and then also go and have a look at the diagram so that you can see how they're arranged because it's going to be really important to identify different cell types um, looking at either traverse or longitudinal sections of the xylem. So going on from that, one of the main things to remember with the xylem is that it is only one-way transport. So the way that water moves within the the plant is via something called the transpiration stream, which we're going to cover in the next lesson. But what this means is basically water is taken up from the root and it is lost through the leaves. And the way that this pulls the water is through the hydrogen bonding and the cohesive properties of water. So we're going to go on to that later in the lesson, but just to be aware of that. So key difference between the xylem and the phloem is that xylem only has one way movement but the phloem has movement in both directions, so they can go up or, or down the phloem. So talking of the phloem, let's have a look at what the phloem does. So the phloem is also part of the vascular system of the plant, and the purpose of the phloem is movement of organic solutes which are dissolved within water. So we've been through this briefly before, but I'm going to go into a bit more detail now on the structure of the phloem. So the main cell within the phloem is called the sieve tube element and these are cells that have very few organelles and not much cytoplasm and the end plates of these cells um, have holes in them and these are called sieve end plates so if you remember with the xylem they have no end walls so it's a continuous tube these in the phloem you do have um, these end plates but they do have um, pores in them uh, which allow substances to move through them. So another cell that is part of the phloem are called companion cells and each sieve tube element is associated with a companion cell and these companion cells um, in contrast to the sieve tube element they contain a nucleus and also contain lots of mitochondria. These two cell types are connected via the plasmodesmata, which if you remember from the previous module are these small holes within the cell wall um, that can connect different plant cells together. So the, the reason that the companion cell is with the sieve tube element is to provide energy to the sieve tube element during translocation of organic solutes within the phloem. Um, which we're going to go on to later in the lesson. Now that we've learned about the different kind of vessels that make up the vascular bundles, we now need to know a bit more about how they are arranged within the plant. So within the stem, the root and the leaf, these tubes um, are arranged in a slightly different way. So to really understand this, again, please do go and have a look at the visual document so that you can really get this in your head. So in a leaf, we'll start with the easiest one. In a leaf, you have the xylem on the top and the phloem on the bottom. So if you were to cut a leaf in half and look at it, you would see the xylem vessels on the top and the phloem vessels underneath. So half xylem, half phloem, phloem on the bottom, xylem on the top. If you were to look in the root, you have the xylem forming a cross and then the phloem sits in the gaps between the cross. So there's four phloem that surround the, the xylem, which forms a cross shape in the root. And then in the stem, what we have is we have the vascular bundles. We have several vascular bundles within the stem and they form a ring. And each vascular bundle 
has the xylem in the center, then the phloem, and then the sclerenchyma. So you need to know exactly what structures there are in in the stem, the root, and the leaf um, for your exams, and you need to be able to draw diagrams and also identify them in diagrams or also in and also in images of uh, real plants. So just to go over that one more time, in the leaf we have the xylem on the top, phloem on the bottom. In the root we have the xylem forming a cross shape and the phloem filling in the gaps around it. And in the stem we have several vascular bundles forming a ring. We have xylem in the middle, then we have phloem and then we have the sclerenchyma on the outside of the ring. Okie dokie, so now that we've spoken a bit about that, let's have a bit more of a look at the leaf structure. So... I think we all know what a leaf looks like, so this should be quite easy to imagine. So first of all, we can look at the gross structure of the leaf. So this is what you'll see with your naked eye. And the basic structure of the leaf has a broad flat part that is called the lamina. And this is joined to the rest of the plant by a stalk, which we call the petiole. Through the petiole is where the vascular bundles run and then they form um, the veins of the leaf. So if we imagine a leaf, you can imagine there's that main vessel that goes down the middle and then smaller vessels come off of the side. And then if we have a look at the internal structure of the leaf, then we can further split the layers of the leaf up. So the, so the normal leaf that you see in most plants are going to be called angiosperm leaves. Different leaf types include the ones that you would see um, with like needles and things like that but for the for the majority of the content you're going to need to know about you're going to be concentrating on the angiosperm leaf. So the structure that I just spoke about describes the angiosperm leaf but now we can go into the the microscopic levels of the leaf and uh, what that composes is composed of so again make sure you go look at the diagrams because that's really going to help you understand this so the top if we work from the top down at the top of the the leaf there is the cuticle and this is made of wax and this helps to waterproof the leaf and this is secreted by cells on the upper epidermis so just under the waxy cuticle there is, is the upper epidermis and these are thin transparent cells and they allow light to pass through these cells. So these cells themselves do not actually contain chloroplasts so they don't undergo photosynthesis but they provide a level of protection um, and act as a barrier to prevent disease and things entering the, the leaf. So although they don't undergo photosynthesis themselves they allow light to pass through them and they help the overall functioning of the leaf. Under the upper epidermis we can then classify everything else below it as the mesophyll and we can further um, categorize this into the palisade mesophyll and the spongy mesophyll. So directly under the upper epidermis is the palisade mesophyll and this is the main area for photosynthesis and the cells in this area are columnar so they're they're long and thin um, like a rectangular shape and they're packed with a lot of chloroplasts and these cells receive CO2 from the air spaces that are in the spongy mesophyll so let's now go on to that so just below the palisade mesophyll you have the spongy mesophyll 
and these cells are more um, spherical and they're more loosely packed so they also contain chloroplasts but not as many as um, in the layer above them and in the functioning of these spongy mesophyll is that there are lots of um, spaces in between the cells which are called air spaces and these allow for the gaseous exchange of CO2 into the cells and oxygen out of the cells during photosynthesis. So the air spaces between the spongy mesophyll are really important because without them there wouldn't be um, effective gas exchange to allow the, the cells within the leaf to photosynthesize. And then directly below that, we then have the lower epidermis, which again acts as a protective layer. And in the lower epidermis, we have these things called stomata. So there's a single stoma and either side of it are guard cells. And the stoma allow regulation of water loss via transpiration from the plant. So the stoma are where gases can enter in and out of the plant, but so the stoma is a hole and the guard cells are um, positioned either side and can control the opening and closing of the stoma to regulate the uh, gas exchange and also loss of water via transpiration, which we'll come on to in the next lesson. And then finally, underneath, um, there is also another waxy cuticle to prevent water loss. So just going into a bit more detail on uh, the stoma. So the guard cells either side of the stoma do contain chloroplasts, but that's not their main function. The guard cells control whether the stoma are open or closed. And during transpiration, water vapour passes out of the stoma and CO2 diffuses in and oxygen diffuses out of the leaf via the stoma, which is controlled by the guard cells. Now, for the last bit of this lesson, I'm going to talk a bit more about the root structures and this will begin to go into some of the pathways that substances take within the plant, um, but we're going to concentrate on that a bit more in next week's lesson. So... The roots are the site where water moves into the plant. So water moves into the roots of a plant via osmosis and minerals can enter via diffusion or via active transport into the roots. So the roots have a large surface area which increases the exchange rate. So remember from previous lessons, the larger the surface area, the better for exchange. So that is why plants have very extensive root systems to really help with that absorption. So there's two ways that water can move once it's entered into the root. So there's the apoplast pathway and the symplast pathway. So I'm going to now go over exactly what both of those are and uh, the ways that they are used. So so the apoplast pathway is a series of spaces that runs through the cellulose cell walls of the cells and also through the tubes in the xylem and in this pathway water moves via diffusion as the cell wall isn't partially permeable so if you remember osmosis is only when the movement of water is through a partially permeable membrane but as this is not a partially permeable membrane it is just called diffusion and the apoplast pathway is a more rapid form of transport of water and in the plant most of the water will move uh, via this pathway so I'd again really recommend you go and have a look at the visuals for this because it will make a lot more sense um, if you do. So basically the apoplast pathway is where water is moving through the cell walls and there is something within the cell walls called subarin 
and Subarin blocks the the apoplastic pathway. So this Subarin then can form a band called the Kasparian strip, and this um, can prevent water from traveling in the apoplastic pathway. So when water or anything that's dissolved in the water reaches this strip, they must then switch over to take in the symplastic pathway. So I'm going to go on to exactly what that is in a minute. And scientists don't fully understand why this strip exists, but it's thought they might help the plant control exactly what mineral ions reach the xylem um, and the speed at which they do that. And as the plant ages, the Kasparian strip thickens, um, except in cells that are called the passage cells, and again this allows for further control of uh, movement of water. So as we just mentioned, there's another pathway that water can take, and this is called the symplast pathway. So the symplast pathway is movement via the cytoplasm and through the plasmodesmata in the cells. So if you remember, the plasmodesmata are small holes that connect neighbouring plant cells. So the way that the symplastic pathway works is that water moves in the cytoplasm and it can move between cells via these gaps in the cells, which are called plasmodesmata. And in this way, in this pathway, it is via osmosis that the water moves um, and this is a much slower pathway. But as I said before, there are times when the plant will use this pathway as well. Okie dokie, so that is all for today. Um, I hope that made sense. So there was quite a lot of content there and a lot of different words and structures and things. So do go back and revise this, um, especially before we move on to the next lesson, because you're going to need this background before we fully understand the, the methods of transport that are used within the plant. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can access additional content on our Patreon page by searching for Equity Tutors, where we have a second 30-minute lesson every week, plus monthly bonus content. You can also find us on most social media platforms. We will keep you updated on new content, and you can find us there by searching for Equity Tutors UK. Please like, share, subscribe and comment wherever you are listening. And if you're enjoying, please leave a review. Bye. Bye.